0: Today, we're going to be making live chat conversations count.
1: In a similar way, can you take unstructured data, aka real-time chat or chatter that is happening around a live stream on Zoom or or on, on YouTube, and give it a structured and visual look, look, look. got a
0: very special guest lined up for you today. We all know that starting conversations can be a tricky thing. So when it comes to breaking the ice in many a situation, whether that be over the phone, in meetings, or online in a group setting, there are lots of ways that you can get the conversation flowing. Today's guest... Lux has a book aptly titled Name, Place, Animal, Thing. Now, you've got four different answers running around in your head, but hold on to those thoughts because today we're going to be making live chat conversations count. Over to you, Lux.
1: It feels like I already know you since I've listened to some of your uh, episodes. You sound very familiar, very, very obviously. yeah so. Ah,
0: so who have you been listening to, may I ask?
1: I listened to the recent one. This was this uh, lady who talked about, I'm just trying to remember the topic.
0: I think she's ex-Google or something. Oh, Simone. Yes, Human Connection. That whole speech came out of me complete, exactly as you saw it on stage.
1: It's July 2005, and I'm standing at the departure gate of Perth International Airport. And my mother isn't speaking to me. In fact, she hasn't spoken to me for six months because I announced that I would be leaving my university degree midway to launch a career in entertainment in the city she migrated away from with much effort, Singapore. Yeah, And the the pandemic, there's a book she wrote called The Something Pandemic, The Silent Pandemic.
0: The Secret Pandemic. The Secret Pandemic.
1: I I knew I was messing up something over there, yes.
0: It's funny, isn't it? It's stories we remember.
1: I'm very bad with remembering names and things. It's it's just that part about the secret. Just the title itself was very evocative because it, it it obviously strikes a chord. And then when I heard the episode, it kind of resonated a little more because you've seen so many instances of that, right, uh, over, over the course of the last couple of years of this parallel thing of people being alone and stuff. But yeah, the stories resonate as opposed to the names per se. Yes, absolutely.
0: And it's interesting, isn't it, because... I was looking at some of the things that you've been getting up to, to think about like, right, what are we gonna talk about today? You know, <laughs> what are we gonna share with our listeners? And there were a few things that struck me. first thing was, I love that you do comedy, because that means that we're gonna get on like a house on fire, if, if, <laughs> if you can put up with my sense of humor that is. 2,000 obituaries, that's a strange kind of hobby to have. How did that all come about?
1: The obituaries thing has has been a passion as I've traveled across countries. So, you know, as I've gone to different places, and you obviously subscribe to the local newspaper, which was in the the, the main newspaper in Dubai, the main newspaper in India, in Bombay, in Chennai, and now the New York Times here in the US uh, on the East Coast where I live. Someone told me this. Decades ago, and it struck a chord. Saying, "If you want to read, and and this was, of course, a time when newspapers had only one section, and they weren't about five pounds in weight or something. <laughs> yeah. So, so they would say, if you if you want to read about man's accomplishments, you know, start the newspaper from the backside because that's usually where the obituaries would be. Yeah. And if you want to learn about man's failures, you know, start from the front page. and And I think that's nowhere as resonant as it is today because. Take the front page, it's about the effects of climate change, it's about war, it's about a hundred different things that are going wrong in the world. And then you read the back page and you read about accomplishments and things that people did. And it just became a fascination. And I think that kind of melded with my previous work life, which was an account, I was running a company called Unmetric, where we used historical social media data on brands to help brands plan for the future. So essentially, let history be your guide, right? And yes, so those it's, two worlds literally collided over there.
0: <laughs> it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because legacies—we talk about legacies and and what we leave behind. And for the listeners' benefit, we're recording this. Sort of, it's just been a few days since since the, the Queen of Elizabeth died, and the media is kind of and social media—it's just full of conversations. And it's all relating to that, isn't it? And and we're hearing the 70 years of service and the legacy that she left behind. And actually, I, I think it, what's more important is that she was a living legacy because she lived it and it will live on with her. So when you hear people's stories and those obituaries, it is really how people have been touched and affected.
1: Absolutely. By being in
0: closeness or just you know, feeling it in their life.
1: When we dug in, it was it was interesting to see certain things that stood out, right? Like in, in terms of, I mean, we live in an era where instant gratification and the desire to accomplish things are, are a lot earlier in life. People want to have achieved everything they want to do in their 20s and their 30s and stuff. So it was interesting to see the data and see that most of the folks that, for example, the New York Times featured in their obituaries had done their first significant achievement i think around the age of 42 or so right so that that mm-hmm. is an instant lesson in the virtues of patience there was so much in the arts there was there were so many commonalities when we dug in and looked at what they'd done and and spoiler alert a vast majority of them had done something around helping others it, it mm-hmm. could have been helping in a very direct sense of the word it could have been helping in terms of understanding something or helping to learn something but the word help was probably the most resonant word as we dissected you know the first paragraph of so many obituaries actually the second most common word the first most common word was john so that's a hat <laughs> tip if you, if you want to name a kid uh, john, john's a good name so <laughs>
0: <laughs> what's the link then looks between art and achieving at an age and helping because that's kind of like a cocktail there isn't it and i'll explain why i'm interested in a moment
1: I'm struggling to get individual instances, but I remember things like, for example, uh, people who used theater, Uh, this one, I forget the name again, I'm very bad with remembering names, but this one, I think he was a pastor, but he, he was not remembered as much for that as much as he was for using theater to help people who had been traumatized by war to come out of it, right? So he was using theater as an instrument to help people just overcome trauma. There was someone else who was using different kinds of arts just to help uh, people in inner cities uh, start second careers. I think in instances where those things happen, it is a little more direct. And there were sometimes uh, people who, you know, whose art itself helped someone help people see a certain face of the arts or a certain face of realism or or movies or things that they hadn't been attuned to earlier. So it could have been directly from their craft or it could have been in terms of helping people. But the word help was was dominant. And the arts part was especially resonant for for someone like me. Uh, I'm I'm from India originally, and uh, we're guilty of, at least earlier, fortunately it's changing now, uh, insisting that a kid is a success only if they go into medicine or engineering or one of those preordained paths. right? Uh, So things like the arts, when when I was growing up, were seen as frivolous. But it was was seen as something that would be a definite path towards starvation. So it was was just interesting to see that a lot of those folks were were remembered and and, uh, they did some amazing things. It just paints that kaleidoscope that is not so obvious when when you're a kid about to start off on college or something like that. So I, I thought that was fascinating as well.
0: You've lost your Indian accent. I've got to say that looks, you know, it's... It's I don't know if that's a good thing or a
1: bad life. thing. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it's quite New York. I would say as well, though, that, you know, if you think about India as a nation, when you think arts or and culture or sport, you would automatically go Bollywood, cricket. That would be, you know, the only two opportunities. And I know that that's a, a massive generalization. But it, it's much the same as, you know, you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer, isn't it? It's it's the same thing. So it's good that we can offer m- way more opportunities now, no no matter your culture. Absolutely. So look, so go, going from the obituaries thing, it, did that give you the idea for the name, place, animal thing?
1: To some extent, actually, the way name plays animal thing happened was was related to the obituaries, but it was a parallel journey that I was going through during my my previous company. I'd given this talk about, what was it, about six years ago in Jaipur, and um, this was a talk on perspective. And, you know, often you just dump a whole bunch of ideas and then you're trying to find some interesting narrative vehicle to put them into. And I literally had all these post-its that I put saying, these are my... 24 21 slides and i was trying to find a narrative string through all of them and i just found that the name place animal thing was actually a childhood game that's very familiar to people from from the subcontinent i actually realized that those 21 post its that i had on the wall the night before my talk uh, in, in in jaipur actually fit that pattern where some were about places some were about things some were about you know getting in touch with your inner animal And a few of them were about people who wore varied hats and were not known for just one thing and therefore carried multiple names in society, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And also over the course of, you know, life in general and especially my my previous startup where uh, this was in a pre-pandemic phase where you actually meet people in person very often at a conference or a bar or a restaurant or a coffee shop, uh, the standard opening question would be, so what do you do, Right.
0: It stumps so many people. I don't know why it stumps so many people, but how do you get the name, place, animal thing into that? What do you do? Explain it.
1: So what do you do was, was a question that vexed me for, for a fair amount of time because most people, including me, would answer it with the most recent line on our LinkedIn profile. Right. Okay, so, so look, what up. do you do? So my. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I would have earlier answered that as I'm the CEO and co-founder of Stream Alive, an application that helps makes make live streams alive, right? Which I still am, but if you had asked me the question today, I'd probably indicate, I mean, do you mean what do I do for a living or what do I do in life? Which then encourages you to ask more, you know, first understand and appreciate that there are more dimensions to everybody, and and yeah. OK, let's talk about work and then let's talk about what else you do. Let's talk about your love for comedy and stuff. But just opening the conversation to that, because very often it's a closed ended conversation where we're just saying, I'm a banker with XYZ Bank and I look at mortgage loans and that's it. Right. I mean, there's yeah, so much yeah. more to every person.
0: Context, isn't it? It's putting the context around it. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And and when you reframe the, the question by, by asking a question back at times, or do you say, I, I love mining the intersections of different worlds. Okay, what do you mean by that? So, you know, there's my work world where I do this, there's comedy, there is this. And I think there's a lot of fun in in intersecting those, those different worlds. So there's different ways to give it. But the the thing behind name place animal thing. So the book started off as a nonfiction book, which then became, um, I, I thought a little too didactic. So cardinal mistake of rereading what i'd written before i'd finished it and then decided no i'm I'm not going to read this myself so rewrote the entire book in my favorite uh, genre which is allegories where, where you know it's like a story like the monk who sold his ferrari or jonathan livingston seagull one of those genres where there's a story or yeah, a i
0: love jonathan livingston seagull oh,
1: it's a beautiful book i mean it's i, I just reread book. it about a year ago yeah so, so, you know, there's a story and there are interesting nuggets or lessons or things peppered through the story. So the cognitive load is relatively lower and hopefully it's an easier read uh, th- that way. Right. The thesis behind the book is simply um, it, it goes in reverse. It starts with thing, which is make more things physical and virtual, make things like podcasts, but also make things with your hands. So So make things, you know, make something. Animal is get in touch with your inner animal and and recognize that at the core, we're fundamentally living, breathing cytoplasm. So it's good to remember that once in a while. And and place was nowhere near as resonant as it was during the pandemic, where uh, you couldn't travel far and wide. And a lot of the thesis there is travel near and narrow, because there's enough things in our own backyard that most of us have not seen.
0: Yeah, so place could be where you feel most at home, where you come from. Where you live now, where you want to travel to—it can be so many things, can't it? When you really absolutely. stop to think,
1: absolutely. And 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 if you, if, if travels, what you want to do? Because it's, it's a great teacher. There's there's enough culture and different languages and cultures and things you can immerse in within within probably about uh, twenty miles of where you live for most people, right? That's place. And, and the overarching theme is uh, name, which is, you know, don't just have one badge or one thing you're known for or that you answer when people ask you, so what do you do? More importantly, when you answer to yourself, uh, have have a bunch of things that get defined by the places you visit, getting in touch with your inner self and making more things. So so that that's kind of the gist of the book.
0: It's smart. It's, I, I love that idea that you can you know it's like there's like there are i was taught tricks for for networking you know rather than saying that what you do you can lead up to it by sort of saying did you have any problem finding the place where have you come from what was the journey like do you know many people here you know those sorts of things that sort of gently ease into rather than so who are you what, what what's your name where do you come from and what's your inside leg measurement please because it can really put people off, can't it? And there's a certain anxiety when it comes to meeting new people anyway, that you don't want to be sort of
1: oversharing either. There's so much anxiety rooted in it because it's there's an undercurrent of I'm, I'm assessing whether it's worth my time to talk to you from this point onwards, right? So there is that little <laughs> undercurrent over there. <laughs> doesn't argue for good conversation. Oh,
0: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's perspective, isn't it? And it's something that we explore with every guest, you know, there are certain commonalities that I think that all guests are in agreement with me in. And that is that you need to apply a little bit of common sense to a conversation, but also sometimes you kind of need to be reminded of the most simple things because we can be overthinking some very complex situations when we're at work and, and, and involved in other things that we kind of just need to, a bit like children, just be reminded of those things.
1: By the way, just just on a very related uh, theme, I was very excited to speak with you, not just because I'd, I'd heard your previous episodes and, and love the way you do it, also because of the central theme that you have, which is, you know, making conversations count. Two years back, if you asked me if I knew what I'd be doing right now, I had absolutely no clue. But what I'm doing right now was born from conversation. And what it does is facilitate conversation. So getting on a podcast that says making conversations count was like, okay, it can't get better than this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know two years ago either what I was doing. I wouldn't, if I would have said to you that as we're recording this, it's it's, it's the time for the 100th episode. Two years ago, wow. if you'd have said... Hundred episodes in, I'd have gone. No, don't be silly. I don't even know what I want to talk about yet, you know. And you formulate ideas as you go, don't you? And you mentioned that you're involved in data beforehand and looking at past data for brands so that they can plan, you know, their their future social conversations. Am I sort of jumping to conclusions when I think that stream alive? Was kind of born from that experience too, to bring it back to the real world.
1: Almost, there's one little bridge we're missing, which we actually touched upon very interestingly. So, so that's the nice thing about conversation; Ooh. everything kind of connects. So, the the bridge is the book is is name, place, animal, thing, right? The reason I bring up the book again is the previous company, Unmetric, had gotten acquired towards the end of 2019. We had a personal emergency with our older son who had to be hospitalized in Berlin, literally airlifted here to the US. He was in hospital for a couple of months. Uh, he's, he's he's good and well now. So everything ended up uh, well afterwards. But this happened a week after the acquisition. So life got pretty crazy because the next three months after our company got acquired were us being in hospitals. And then we came back home and then the whole world went into a lockdown because of the pandemic. So th- it, it was just a very, very surreal time and uh, once the transition happened i i took a break uh towards the middle of 2020 just realized i, I needed that and also to focus on things at home and uh, that's when the book was born because uh, i had time on my hands and i had run out of excuses for not writing things that were otherwise in post-it notes and on different uh, apple notes and things and i had strung that together in into writing the book right uh, this was towards the end of 2020, and and I didn't know the first thing about writing a book. Uh, you might read the book and say, I still don't know the first thing about writing a book, but I didn't know the first thing about writing a book at that point. So I signed up for half a dozen courses on how to write a book, how to edit a book, how to market a book, how to get Amazon and the gods around Jeff Bezos to bless your book when you list it on Amazon and things like that. right? <laughs>
0: I missed that course where I got the blessing for for my book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you my Venmo account and I can I can another lockdown resources. baby. Oh, that's a lockdown baby as well. Okay, <laughs> so you know exactly what I'm talking about then. <laughs> I do.
0: It was that it was that opportunity to kind of let muddy waters clear, so Absolutely. that you could go. Well, what do I want to do with this information? So yeah, so once so you I'm got gonna, it blessed, what did you do? So,
1: so I'm going to borrow that expression, by the way, an opportunity to let muddy waters clear. That's a beautiful way of putting it. That, that's exactly what happened, yeah. So I signed up for, I, I still remember the exact number. There were 56 live streams that I attended over the last quarter of 2020 for these six courses. And these were delivered on, on Zoom meetings, Zoom webinars, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, right? Class sizes were anywhere as less as 10 people to as much as 1,100 for the Amazon Blessings class. Wow! So that's where I noticed. You know, there's something beautiful when you recurrently see something over so, such a tight compressed period because then you start to see patterns. Mm-hmm. And I saw a couple of things. The first thing was that the chat flew by faster than the presenter could keep pace. Right. There were conversations happening all the time and they were not being counted because the presenter could not could not keep pace with what was happening in the chat. It was even crazier when the presenter would ask a question like uh, a standard opening question would be, Hey, where are you joining from? Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you've got a thousand go... different locations popping up. Exactly, that. right? Yeah.
1: But yeah. the irony was if you got a thousand different locations, the presenter would call out three of those people. Say we've got London in the house, we've got Mumbai in the house, we've got Lux from from uh, Jersey in the house, and then ignore the remaining nine hundred and ninety seven people, which is kind of unnatural, right? It would be pretty rude of me to ask you a question and then totally be oblivious to what you're giving as an answer. But we do it on a live stream because if the presenter were to read one thousand locations, he would be he should be a geography teacher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, so that happened time and again, Wendy, you know. where, where Not- people, I have noticed
0: that and wondered how you could fix
1: it. The fixing it is what we do at Stream Alive. That's why I said the company was born from conversations, from seeing ignored conversations. And we said, you know, there. that's why you saw connective tissue with what we did in the previous company, which is where we used to take unstructured data, as you observed, and give structured insights from that. In a similar way, can you take unstructured data, aka real-time chat, or chatter that is happening around a live stream on Zoom or, or on on YouTube and give it a structured and visual look, right? I mean, we say a picture is worth a thousand words, but here a thousand words could be worth a picture. For example, as people are typing locations, show a real-time map that maps them out with lights coming up as they type locations. So that's yeah. what we do. Oh, it's, or like as they the, type... it's
0: like Santa's, you know, good and bad list, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's a good idea for a feature. We should probably do something around that. Sent us this. (laughs) I mean, the the whole thing is about making conversations more inclusive. So our pitch is we we change these live streams from a current scenario where 95% of the people are ignored to one where 95% of the people will be included. Where if someone has a thing and an answer to how are you feeling today, that answer is not going to be lost among 998 other people chatting the same thing, but it's going to populate a real-time word cloud that if a majority of people are feeling happy or grateful, is going to show that by having that word bigger. Yeah. So context-aware conversation is kind of what we're trying to create over here because when you ask people where you're joining from, they're not going to say happy or grateful. They're going to be saying a location. And when you ask them how you're feeling today, they're not going to be saying, uh, you know, Glasgow or London or, or or New York. They're going to be saying a feeling So there's context to this, which you can actually harness to give a collective voice to the audience by by means of a visual. So interestingly, that's our fundamental premise. We make conversations count in in terms of counting each and every person who's who's participating in a live stream or a chat. So again, I mean, this was born from the journey that came from the book, from attending live streams. And now it's a full-fledged company with you know many users who are across the gamut, who are teachers, who are preachers, who are sellers, who are entertainers, and people doing town halls, meetings, trainings. Uh, it, it's just a different way of conversing, where suddenly it's it's two way, and it's not just just one way, right?
0: Where have you been, Lux? Honestly, because you know my my own workshops, I put a, a stop to them because I didn't want it to be all about me through the screen every workshop that i've ever done has been about audience participation so it's you know it's they're involved they need to interact you know and it was just too cumbersome to be able to deliver that when you've got multiple people coming through on a screen and a chat and 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 how how can you converse because we haven't really learned, I don't think, how to be able to do that volume of multitasking without a little bit of help.
1: <laughs>
0: and it sounds like you fixed the little bit of help problem.
1: That that that's certainly right down our alley. And and it's interesting you mentioned the the energy and the interactivity that you have in in a live workshop, right? I'm sure you're no stranger to these situations where you ask the audience a question and you say, but let's have a show of hands. Okay. That's a great example. You have a show of hands. You're not having an individual conversation with each and every audience member, but you're taking a collective sense of the room saying, Oh, okay. Roughly three fourths of you agree with this or have felt this pain that I just described. Yeah. Uh, so you've got, a, you, you, you kind of eyeballed the results so to speak. And that's all that is, that is really needed at times. Everyone knows you can't have an individual conversation with people so uh, how can we replicate that collective sense of the audience in multiple ways in an online scenario is kind of what we're doing. And, and it's, it's funny, as the world gets back to uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, where, how it was a couple of years back, uh, we built this for online meetings, but now we have people saying, hey, I've got this big conference happening with 3,500 people uh, in December, and I love what you guys do at Stream Live for online events. Can you do it for an offline one? And we're building that out so that that paves the way to make it hybrid. So you have half a dozen people on Zoom and you have a few dozen people in a room and they both can seamlessly be part of the same conversation and participate as a collective whole. And and I think that that's a phase of things to come where people are included, heard, irrespective of where they are physically or digitally.
0: That to me just sums up 100% inclusivity because there will be still people that are going to shield or not want to attend for whatever reason, geographically, it means that they're not excluded. It, it opens up the audience to much, much wider. And and of course, I love an in-person event and the energy in the room. And, you, and of course, you can't always look at six screens to see all of the different participants to try and gauge that body language. But when you're in a room, you feel that energy. You don't have to be touching anybody. And I think that's that's what we can't transcend over the internet yet, is it? Is that physicality.
1: Absolutely. And and hopefully we, we sh- we'll we never be able to transcend that because there's something to be said about that, that physicality, that energy, right? So our, our thinking is you never get there, but how close can you get to that? How much of that can you replicate? How much more alive can you make the stream and and, and hence the name? I'm glad you said what you just said, because a lot of the inspiration has been from the to-and-fro banter that a performer like Freddie Mercury has with the audience when, you know, they, they sing with each other, the Mexican wave. Don't, because I'll just
0: start bursting into song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Please do, that's going to be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? it, it is. It's it's because you, you, you know, as a presenter, you can feed off. It's like you you're saying, you know, earlier, you know, how are we all feeling today? If there, was, if there were four options there and you could, you know, give me a graphical metric of are they good, bad, indifferent, you know, no, didn't answer. Well, goodness, that gives you as an indication as a presenter as to how much of a hill you've got to climb today. Or if they're present and, and open and willing, because sometimes you do really need to sort of pick people up and you know as a being online there is nothing worse than having people on mute and on no video so you that- are you know you've got these little black boxes everywhere and you have no idea how it's being received how is that helping anybody
1: but that's the interesting thing, right? Although, and I would love it for every single person to keep their video on and have that feedback loop therefore. And, and I've spoken to comedians who, for whom that's, that's very, very depressing when they're doing a stand up set and they can't even see how people are, are reacting. And a lot of them had to do that through, through the pandemic. But here's the thing: people have different degrees of comfort levels in terms of putting their video, and they might have a genuine reason because maybe it's a, their rooms in a mess, or they're not comfortable showing, or they don't look good on camera. They got bad lighting, whatever, right? But but they do tend to be very very prolific with their opinions in the chat. So you mentioned polls, for example. That that's a great example. If 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 you don't mind my just diving into that's one of our pet peeves oh. with with polls. I mean, all those things are attended. They would have they would have polls, all those classes attended those 56 live streams, about maybe 15 of them had polls, but here's what they do. They would say, folks, we want your opinion. We want to know, we want you to be heard. We want to know what you're saying. So here's a QR code. Please scan this QR code, go to this website, enter this code number and go out there and participate. And then we will show you in three minutes, you know, what you said collectively by showing the polls. So everyone, not everyone, for every one person who would go out there, two or three people would put, your opinion in the chat, and that would be thoroughly ignored because they had to, they didn't follow the instructions, right? And then so many people would put in the chat and the instructions would get buried. and people would say, where are the instructions? I can't see them on screen anymore. So all of those were inspiring for us because it was very obvious there was something to be solved over here. And then people would enter in the, in, in the poll and then there would be absolute silence. And about a couple of minutes later, the presenter would say, okay, you have spoken. Here is what 10% of you said because the remaining 90% either didn't figure out what to do or they put it in the chat, right? So that's a little thing of where you can actually harness the energy of the audience in a real-time way. So what we do, for example, is we put up the poll on the screen, the, the, uh, in the Stream live screen, and the presenter says, okay, here are the four options, one, two, three, four. I want you to type in the chat one or two or three or four. So I can see what, what, you're typing Wendy and you can see what I'm typing and it's not a state secret. So why not everybody see what everybody is typing. And we just type it in the zoom chat or the YouTube chat or the chat that we are in. So we don't go out of the room. I mean, to us, that was like me meeting you at a conference, asking you a question. And just as you're about to answer, I say, no, no, hang on, Wendy. That's a poll answer. You need to go to the ballot box that is next to the cafeteria and put your answer there and come back and continue this conversation with me. You're not going to come back. Right. So when people put their answers in the chat, the polls dance. They literally race against each other. And the presenter is, is almost like a commentator at a, at a horse race or something. He's like, oh, okay, we got we actually had these entertainers who ask people, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear jazz or hip-hop or rock or pop? And okay, jazz is winning. Oh, no, no, it's rock. Oh, okay, pop is inching in. And, and they're almost like people you know at, at a horse race. And everyone's looking at the pole. And the audience is... So that energy of the audience is literally being synthesized into these poles... That are dancing and racing against each other. So though those people still had their thing, their videos off and we couldn't see them. They were channeling their energy through participating in the chat. And that had a real-time connotation and therefore that feedback loop was complete, right? So so that I mean that kind of ties to the point earlier. You can never replicate the full real world experience, but you can come to a better in-between point than what we've been in so far.
0: No and and you've just reminded me of a previous guest Cathy O'Dowd she's a lady who's the first lady to have climbed Everest to the summit from both sides
1: Oh wow I should and, listen to this one I missed this one okay
0: and she she actually did a presentation at a BNI Global event which was why I reached out to her to ask her to come on the show and it was in part because she was presenting through a piece of software that had multiple choice that you could, you know, cho- choose, you know, but it was, you were on your phone and it was interesting to take part that way, but it was also a little bit distracting because you were doing something like you say, outside of the room Right. So by keeping it in the room is is really you know, that's a smart move. It was asking questions of, you know, at this particular juncture, what would you, you decide to do? And it's, it, it's you know, you climb an Everest, it's life or death. And I think most of the audience died very early on at base camp. No, but it, it's that similarity of application that I could see, you know, was, was working that just needed polish. And it sounds to me like you've polished it.
1: That's certainly the hope. And and what you just described, I mean, the way we talk about that is the current approach is one where people are asked to go to a product to participate. The polish that you've talked about is one where instead of asking people to go to a product, we've got the product to come to the people. Yeah. So they don't have to do anything different to participate. It's it's all about friction, right? If if getting heard requires going through a lot of loops and stuff you're not going to take the the effort because path of you're not least willing to.
0: Resistance. Exactly,
1: the path of least resistance. I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. Now,
1: now we're talking about climbing Everest, but yeah, the path of least resistance. I know,
0: yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm certainly not on my bucket list.
1: <laughs> Me neither. A lot of things I want to do, but climbing Everest is not one of them.
0: <laughs> no, strangely. I'm fascinated that you've taken an experience and turned it into a company. I think it's absolutely admirable.
1: And like I said, that's why I was excited about being a guest on your podcast, because the the company was born from conversations, from seeing conversations gone wrong in a one-to-many setting across those 56 live streams. And the company aims to solve conversations to make them a lot more inclusive by giving everybody a voice, right? Uh, well, I'm,
0: and I, I'm just thinking of the amount of people that have actually been turned off by attending webinars and, you know, free sessions or trials or learning, whatever it is, because it's quite boring to be sat and listening to and just being spoken to rather than being involved. So I can only imagine that this is going to just pique people's curiosity again to to want to get involved, even if it is from the comfort of their own home.
1: That's exactly the hope, and 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 that's really why a lot of people have their cameras off as well because they don't want you to see how zoom fatigued they are. Yeah, yeah, and if you can change that, maybe that that'll change as well.
0: Gosh, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? You know, (laughs) you'd just stop doing it. You, you really just should stop doing it if all you've got is blank screens we're going to carry on that conversation in just a moment but first let me tell you about my power up program an hour and a half with me and accountability later it's by no means ever going to fix everything but what it will do is it will allow us to find one area that's a key priority for you to implement straight away into your business and allow you to just see the other areas that you need work on it's a great stepping stone into the 12-week building block program just book a chin wag let's have a natter and let's see how i can help you the Wendy Woo tip is all about icebreakers. And there are lots of icebreakers that we use without even giving it a second thought. And the most popular ones are the weather and how did you get here? Did you find it okay? It's those sorts of open ended, friendly gestured questions that can break the ice and get the conversation flowing. So if you want any more tips, head over to the Amazon store and pick up a copy of my book. Let's get back to the conversation with Lux, shall we? Oh dear, Lux, I love talking to you, but we've come to the point in the show where... I never know what's coming next. So I did do a little bit of name, place, animal thing on you before you came on. So I knew roughly what we were going to be talking about. But this is where I ask you to share that one conversation that had it not have happened, your life wouldn't or career would not have changed.
1: So I guess I, ca- I can't rewind back to the many conversations that happened from which uh, Stream Alive was born, but we've talked about that. So, so let, me, let me totally shift tracks and talk about one conversation that was that was pretty important in my life and uh, this was at the previous company at, at unmetric you know companies need to have an an independent board member and I got introduced to this uh, gentleman called Ram Gupta uh, who's since been a, a dear friend, a very well-known person in Silicon Valley and everything and he was the chairman of our, our board at unmetric. And the first time we met, I expected him to go into what is your data structures and, you know, how do you guys harness the data? What kind of insights do you do? And instead, he asked me, "Um, what sport do you play? And I said, "Um, you mean used to play? Because I used to play a lot of, uh, you know, uh, football or, or soccer, as they call it here in the States. But I used to play a lot of football and I don't anymore. And then he you know, he spent 15 minutes asking me why, if I love football so much, why have I stopped playing? And then I kind of took refuge and to no, I got into squash. Okay, do you play squash? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, why not? And then we got into health. And then he told me one one thing which stuck in my head for two reasons. One is for perspective and the second is a power of, of analogies. So he said, um, look, uh, Lakshman, you, you, you know, at any point in life, you're juggling these three balls, right? And one is a ball of health. And the second is the ball of relationships. And the third one is finances. And spoiler alert, your startup and everything that you think is, is you know, you're so committed to is all around that third ball on finances, right? Now, the, the trick in life is balancing all three and juggling them and keeping them up in the air at the same time, which all of us go through but i'd like you to remember one thing the one that's around finances is is made of steel so if it, if you drop it it might dent a bit but sure you can pick it up again and and you know use it right uh the one that's around relationships is is made of uh, porcelain and if it falls it's going to crack you can take a bit of super glue and stick it back together but the fissures will show so the relationships that do not have time to nurture Uh, because you're so busy in juggling that ball of steel are going to develop into cracks. So so don't ever ignore your relationships. And here's the bad news. The one that's on health, which is dependent on you playing a sport and focusing on your health and taking care of things is made of glass. And if that falls, it's going to shatter into a hundred pieces and there's no way you can put that together. So please remember this as we go forward, because though I'm on your board and stuff, I want you to remember that your health comes first, your relationships come next and company work and all those things come third, right? Uh, so yeah. as you get embroiled and think, this is something I use as a mental model because it's 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 very, very yeah. powerful. And interestingly, Ram um, became a dear friend and guide and he is uh, a fourth uh, co-founder on the team at Streamer Live now as well because when he started the company, I said, I can't think of anyone better to be on our board than you. So why don't we join from day one and instead of joining us later, and he did. But this conversation is, is something I... I, I constantly remember, and uh, which is why I've gotten into playing pickleball, which is all so much the rage over here in the states now. And things that what but... on earth is pickleball? Oh, don't 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 ask, don't ask. We, yeah, unless you've got another uh, half an hour or something. this to... it, let me put it this way: if badminton, table tennis, and tennis had a baby, that baby would be pickleball. I'll. I'll...
0: Okay, just a challenge then for the listeners: you're going to have to just Google it. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? It's it's fascinating how that one conversation and and how that was explained to you. Obviously, scenarios, situations, experiences arise, and you're evaluating based on that analogy of those three things, for you to say where will this lead me to if I do this? How will it affect the other two? And you know, mixing it up and juggling them as as you do to be sure that you keep that balance.
1: I think it's a beautiful analogy, and and at least for me, it, it it struck a chord. And yes, exactly what you said. Once in a while, it it helps you take stock.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. And I, I wonder just how many of our listeners needed to hear about you and Ram's conversation t- today.
1: I hope they focus on the glass ball.
0: <laughs> yes, it certainly certainly made me go, goodness. I've been doing a bit more of that myself recently and other things just naturally look after themselves.
1: They do, right? Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, look, you know, you're such an easygoing guy to talk to. I haven't asked you the one last question, which is what's your best joke? (laughs) If you want to give us your best joke, you can, but otherwise. I always encourage listeners to carry on the conversation with guests and come and find you if they want to find out more about Stream Alive or, you know, any of the other topics that we've touched on, like comedy obituaries and your book. Where's the best place for them to come and find you?
1: Okay, so, so the best joke part is, is I have a five-minute stand-up comedy set, which is on my website. So my personal website is uh, Lux Narayan. that's L-U-X-N-A-R-A-Y-A-N, com and uh, stream alive and everything stream alive including free access to the application and a free trial and everything it, it's totally free at this point in fact is at streamalive.com. so uh, please i mean stay in touch with me stay in touch with stream alive would love to continue the conversation
0: that'd be fantastic looks you're an absolute diamond and they're hard to break thanks so much for love
1: that time. analogy thank you <laughs> that's that's very kind of you thank you <laughs>
0: So who'd have thought that reading obituaries would lead to an idea for a a book and an idea for a platform to bring people closer together and to feel more connected? I think it's absolutely fabulous. So if you really want to find out more about what Lux is doing in the live chat space and you need to Stay better connected with people attending your webinars or showing up online. Do reach out and carry on the conversation and make sure to tell him where you heard of him. Well, next time we have the very one and only John Barrows on the show. And I could listen to his dulcet tones about making calls and sales and all other sales tips man i will give you as many techniques tactics and tips as you can possibly imagine so that you can figure out how to get to the point where you're unconsciously competent with a lot of the stuff that you do and that's where it turns into the real conversation don't forget to tune in hit that follow and subscribe button on your favorite podcast so you never miss an upcoming episode